Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Here's to greater possibilities together. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put you all in some sort of context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Okay, we needed a breather. The market can't go up every day without some sellers coming out of the woodwork, which is why the Dow shed 135 points. The S&P declined 0.34%. The now tepid Nasdaq lost 0.73%. This is exactly the kind of pullback I've been waiting for. So we have to use this moment to regroup and figure out the market's next move. Now, I think today's action was pure profit-taking. But the sellers had a lot of excuses. I think it's worth going over them in detail. Otherwise, they might catch you off guard. And forewarned is forearmed. First, there's the derailed recovery thesis. Probably heard about this all day. This morning, we got our 17th straight week with more than a million jobless claims. These numbers aren't really moderating, which is what we were all hoping for. The derailed recovery thesis might be right. It's certainly a possibility if we don't get more stimulus. But there's nothing new here. All aboard. Yeah, the number was ugly, but it's been ugly for, it's been ugly for four months now. I think stimulus beckons. Second, the reopening has clearly been stalled by the outbreaks in the Sun Belt. New cases aren't going down and deaths are climbing again, though the mortality rate is substantially lower, fortunately, than the original outbreak in New York. Some of that's because we've gotten better at treating COVID. As we learn more about it, remember, it is novel. If you were on a ventilator in New York, you only had a 20 percent chance of surviving. You're now at 70 percent. We've also got a host of treatments that we didn't have before. Uh, Steroids, remdesivir, blood plasma. And of course, we know to put people on their stomach. Look, I don't want to downplay these risks, not one bit. Even if more people survive, the complications are horrifying. Nobody wants to spend weeks laid up in the hospital. Nobody wants permanent, or at least potentially permanent, organ damage. Again, though, sadly, none of this is real. To any, it's, none of it's real news. It, it's been going on. Third, the trade war with China is turning into something closer to a cold war. It is chilling to see the Attorney General of the United States attack Hollywood, Microsoft, Apple, and Google for being communist lackeys, like something out of the 1950s. But it it seems like the White House wants to go with the 50s playbook. The goal is to cordon off China, and they might go after any company that does business over there. I've been very tough on China. They have an authoritarian government, and it's an authoritarian government that I do not like. Why? Because it doesn't respect its trade agreements. They've spent decades targeting American manufacturers. I've talked about that endlessly. I was thrilled when the Trump administration decided to crack down on China's unfair trade practices, like the people, don't like the government. But I'm a trade warrior, not a cold warrior. I think it's good when Apple sells millions of phones to the Chinese. Shows that we're better than the Chinese phones. Still, the president increasingly seems to regard any company that does business in the People's Republic as an appeaser of dictators. He's, a, he's even going after U.S. companies that have been staunch opponents of the Communist Party. Uh, 
Google pulled out of China years ago in protest to the government's suppression of free speech. I don't know why the heck they're on the list. Bill Barr also knocked Disney for playing ball with the communists, even though Disney's more of an American fifth column operating on Chinese soil than the other way around. CEO Bob Iger's been surprisingly tough with China without totally alienating their government. Just read the autobiography ride of a lifetime and you'll know just read the prologue you can get that on amazon without having to buy the book there are a lot of criticisms you could level at the walt disney company but treating them like communist sympathizers are you kidding me that's beyond mccarthyism it's like something out of like dr strangelove or something again china's a bad actor they steal our secrets they dump goods in our markets they target our industrials for annihilation they've started throwing their weight around with other governments via that belt and road initiative that i hate so much and don't even get me started on how the chinese communist party treats its own people but so i am glad we're taking a harder line, especially with trade policy. But this naming name stuffs? I mean, come on. It's America. We know better than do that. It's disheartening to see the Attorney General of the United States roll out a nascent blacklist. Feels like a, a threat toward companies that make money in China, including Apple. What do I say? I want to bet against the blacklist, which is why I tell you once again, Apple, don't trade it on this. Own it. Fourth worry. We have some very stretched valuations here. There's no denying it. No one denies it. There are too many stocks that trade at sky-high price earnings. I'm sorry, price to sales multiples, not earnings. Even if they grow very fast, they're now subject to downgrades. Like we saw one with Peloton today. That multiple's gotten too stretched. So review your portfolio. Understand that if you have a bunch of high-flying momentum stocks, they're going to trade together, they're going to go down. You might want to trim those positions, as we've been doing for my charitable trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionLordsPlus.com club. Spoke at length about that yesterday in the club call. Finally, number five, we don't know how much longer we're going to be uh, working from home. A lot of people are itching to go back. Uh, the banks have reported, and the heads of these institutions seem to favor everyone coming back to the office. And that's weighing down the work-from-home plays that have been so strong, including the myriad cybersecurity stocks. I say don't sweat the remote work program. Regardless of what these bank CEOs might want, we're not going anywhere until we get a vaccine. Plus, yesterday's big Twitter hack is going to be a boon for all cybersecurity faves, from CrowdStrike and Zscaler to Proofpoint, Palo Alto Network, CyberArk, and Kramer family fave Okta. So how do you approach this kind of sell-off? Simple. Look for companies with strong fundamentals and falling stocks. Abbott Labs reported a wonderful quarter this morning. They're selling tons of COVID tests. Stock was down 33 cents. The other day, PepsiCo posted a picture-perfect quarter. Morgan Stanley delivered some great results today, the capstone of their plan to grow the business without taking on much risk, just what you actually want from a financialist environment. Johnson Johnson gave you an excellent forecast this morning, and stock barely budged. Facebook, Google, and Salesforce all have nothing to do with China, and they're doing great. I saw, I saw a number bump today, estimate bump for Alphabet. I think Facebook's just cleaning up. Oh, and watch Amazon. The stock's now down more than 10% from its highs, though it did find a slew of buyers late today coming in off its lowest levels. That's exactly what should happen. Don't let the disappointment from Netflix tonight spill over to your thinking. Hey, how come I'm not more worried about the pandemic? Listen, these numbers horrify me, but I'm optimistic because it's now out of the government's hands. In the absence of a vaccine, masks are the best way to stop the spread. And in the absence of government leadership at pretty much any level, Corporate America is taking action to keep us healthy. In the last 48 hours, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Target, Best Buy, Kroger have joined the pioneer Costco in insisting that their customers wear masks. No shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. I think the severity of the new outbreak will scare people into taking the virus seriously. I wish we hadn't gotten to this point, but that's where we are now. Now, I don't want I don't know when the sell is going to end. I do know the younger momentum traders who believe stocks will only go up 
because that's what stocks do. They might struggle a tad here. I'm concerned about the stocks of companies that need capital that people are bidding up, like the airlines, the cruise lines. Don't be a useful idiot for the investment bankers urging these struggling companies to drill your bids. The bankers see these speculative stocks just go up and they like they see the action and they advise these troubled companies to raise capital every time there's a positive vaccine story and their stocks soar. Look at Norwegian Cruise Lines, which announced that it's selling $250 million worth of stock. Stock lost 15% today on that news. I don't know if stocks always go up. The bottom line, don't panic. Look for the stocks of high-quality companies that are going lower, even though they deserve to go higher. And if that's too much work for you, you've got my blessing to gradually leg into a low-cost index funnel way down. In other words, nothing to see here. Move on. Let's go to Jerry in Texas. Jerry. Hey, Jim. How are you today? I am good. How about you, Jerry? Doing well. Thank you, sir. Hey, I have a general two-part question for you. The price-to-earnings ratio used to be a pretty good indicator of measuring companies, with 25 to 30 being about average. Today, we have companies with no profits or with PEs of 150 to 300, and their stock price continues to go up. I do understand there are many factors to consider when evaluating companies, but number one, are the true earnings and PE ratio still important? And number two, what do you feel are the best ways to measure and select companies in this market? Okay, well, I would tell you that any stock that sells at more than a PE of eight, eight times sales is off limits for me. I find that those companies are terrific companies, but you can't uh, have more than, say, about 15 to 20 percent of your portfolio. We talk about that all the time for the ActionLearnsPlus.com club. You're right. Much of the market is stretched, but there's a lot of the market that isn't. And I think that if you follow the show, you know that there are a lot of companies I like that are selling in traditional multiples and that you should have some of those and a smattering of the higher, truly momentum names. Let's go to Michael in North Carolina. Michael. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Good to talk to you this evening. Appreciate all the stuff that you do to help us home gamers make a little money. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm looking to add a health care uh, to one of my portfolios and um, I watched the uh, uh, beginning of the, um, oh, goodness, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Go Health uh, IPO Go Health. yesterday. Right. Uh, went down to 18 and uh, up to 26. Is it too early to jump in there? I think or? it's a very good, it's a, you know what, that stock I thought was kind of attractive. Uh, I, I think that might be a good idea. I bet you we look at it and it's going to do okay. How about we go to Max in Florida? Max. Hey, Jim, how's it going? Very well, thank you. How about you? I'm doing all right. So I am an 18-year-old new investor. All right. And I was interested in a a consumer good and tech stock that actually reported higher than expected earnings yesterday, which is Sleep Number. And during the, the whole COVID rise again, I was wondering how you think they would fare in the near future as a stock that people might be buying when they're not traveling. Well, you know, I, I, I think the bed business has just been historically been a terrible business. I, I, these guys are interesting. They're good. They uh, didn't have a good quarters last year. But you know what I say? I say I want you to step up your game. I would rather have you be in a Home Depot or particularly a Lowe's, which is doing much better, more diversified, uh, because I, I like the stay-at-home thesis. Let's go to Lee Joe in New York. Lee Joe. Hey, Jim. Just want to say thank you for using our platform. To advocate for everyone to wear a mask is a biggest tool to decrease the recession rate. My question is regarding the Chinese company Neo. Recently had a run up based on increased sales and market sentiment. Currently believe it's overvalued 
but China has a huge potential market for electric vehicles, government subsidies for bond EVs, and recent government-owned investment to the company when the tax is strapped. These are rules for growth, given the government backing, or should I take some profit off? It, but, sir, it's a dice roll. I mean, it, it had a huge move last week, uh, just gigantic. Uh, and now I think that you have to wait till it pulls back. This is the wrong level. Uh, now, I, I have historically, I was right about it, wrong about it, right about it, wrong about it. But I will tell you this. Alibaba is the one I've been right around the whole time. And that's the one I think you should be in. Today was a breather. I don't think it's a cause for panic. Look for stocks of high-quality companies that report numbers and then their stocks go down. Oh, man, money tonight. With the resurgence of both the virus and lockdowns, can Domino's continue to deliver? I'm sitting down with the CEO after earnings to find out. Then with a new generation of retail investors hitting the tape, I'm eyeing one private player that could, couldn't make it. They, they can make it very easy for you to get involved in this market. You know I want that. And don't miss my sit-down with, that's acorns. My, but first, as COVID cases continue to rise, do the unknown surrounding this market continue to make gold an appealing place to park your money? I'm eyeing Barrett Gold to see if it's worth considering here. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Hey, I'm Kat Lasso. I'm Xavier Jarnigan. And I'm Speedy Mormon. And together we're the hosts of Spotify's new morning show, The Get Up. Every day we're bringing you the biggest news stories and pop culture headlines. Ooh, and the conversations you need to be in on. Okay. Don't worry, if you're not a morning person, we're doing the work for you. So just search The Get Up, hit play, and listen up for everything you need to know. With a playlist made just for you. Listen now for free, only on Spotify. What works during times of economic chaos, you know what does. It's gold. The precious metal broke out above $1,800 an ounce earlier this month. And while it pulled back to $1,795 today, it's not such a great day for gold. I think it's still worth having some exposure as an insurance policy against both the recession and the possibility of inflation, a position I've held for 15 straight years. You can own the commodity itself. You can own an ETF that tracks the price like the GLD. But my favorite way to play it is Barrick Gold, the company created by the merger of the old Barrick and Rangel Research. Sources roughly a year and a half ago. I started recommending this one practically the moment the deal closed when it was trading around 13. It's now 26 and change. Now, Barrick just reported some preliminary results this morning, and the pandemic's caused some disruptions. But management says, don't worry, they're still on track to hit their full year targets. So can this stock keep climbing? Let's dig deeper with Dr. Mark Bristow. He's the bankable president and CEO of Barrick Gold. Get a clear picture of how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mark, welcome back to Mad Money. Hello, um Really great to see you again. It's a long time since we've chatted, Jim. Way too long. Okay, now I know that to do what you did, which is to pretty much make the quarter in an era of COVID, would seem to be impossible given the way that mining is done. But then I remembered, unlike the rest of us, this is not your first pandemic, is it? No, it's not. (laughs) As you know, I grew up in Africa. We, As I always say, we wake up in the morning to a few crises, and get a couple more in the afternoon. That's been the game. So at the same time that you had this, you were able, uh, you were able to, to, to 
help all of your employees, keep everybody pretty safe. And where are things now? Is everything operating as normal? Yes, we, you know, we had some challenges in Argentina, but generally uh, all our operations are operating at, um, at full capacity. Our projects are on track. And, uh, and in particular, um, Jim, uh, Nevada success for us. You know, Southern Nevada had some real challenges um, and we were able to keep our operations running. That's 7,000 people going to work every day. Um, we have had limited number of infections. It's been a great effort from management. And it also reinforces our strategy to flatten management, to get ownership in the countries and regions so that you and do away with the central control, as you know, something that we set out to do when we merged the two companies. Well, I'm used to talking well, about some of the toughest areas. You used to talk about some of the toughest areas, uh, and you've uh, schooled me on how to do business in West Africa, for instance, or Southern Africa. But I was shocked to see how much gold there is in the Carlin mine in Nevada. This is a gigantic field. Where's it been all our lives? Well, you know, it is a it's the largest. Uh, gold province in the world today, really taken over from where South Africa left off uh, quite a few years ago now. And, uh, and, and this merger of the Barrick and Newmont assets has really unlocked that enormous gold belt uh, by taking down the fences and fitting the real ore bodies together. And, uh, and it's been an amazing experience it's just been fantastic, I must tell you. And then, of course, uh, you know, the gold price has gone up, which always makes gold mining a lot more enjoyable. But how about copper? We've had a big surge in copper. You have a ton of copper there. Yes, and the copper side of Barrick did very well this quarter, as you would have seen in the, in the preliminary results. Um, you know, despite the lower copper price for most of the quarter, uh, the team did excellent uh, both in uh, Africa and in, uh, across in South America, and in particular, uh, our Africa copper and, and Middle East copper operations did exceptionally well. Now, when I talked with you last, you were still using a twelve hundred dollar uh, kind of. Uh, that's what your price would have been for what you're using to be able to do your projections. Is it time to move that up? Because it, you, you've got a dividend. You've got a much better balance sheet than you had. I mean, maybe it, things are kind of going more your way than, than you thought when you put that together. Yeah, but Jim, the 1200 is the new thousand, I always say. That's the long-term goal price at which we allocate uh, our capital. Uh, you know, this is a long game. As you know, you've been... Right. Uh, with me on this voyage for more than a decade now. And, um, and so we allocate capital at this time. We've brought the, uh, the, the, the debt down materially. We have the strongest balance sheet in the gold industry today. And in fact, we have the strongest balance sheet in the mining industry. And we intend to stay there. We want to be you know, the go-to business uh, with the best assets the best people. And as I always say, when you put those two together, you deliver the best financial results. Well, when I listen to you now, this is not something you talked about 10, 10 years ago. You're talking about uh, the environment and how important it is now. Uh, you even talked about it at the beginning of your last talk that you know that people that people don't like mining. You're trying to explain to people that it's necessary and that, you, and that you're going to do what you can to be able to make it so you don't pollute. 
Exactly. And, you know, well, that was our mantra in uh, Rand Gold Resources in sub-Saharan Africa. You know, license to operate in these modern times is important, whatever business you're in. And, uh, and we need to be more modern. I mean, the mining industry definitely needs to, to grow up and be more modern. And, uh, and we need to um, employ younger people and align ourselves with the expectation expectations of the uh, of the future generations and that's my intention uh, my last stint uh, in barrack is to really take barracks and deliver a new modern mining company that's acceptable to our future generations. Hey, Mark, I've been thinking, you have 7,000 people in one place. Now, a lot of the factories that have just even 300, 400 people in our country, it's been tragic. I've seen just waves of COVID. How, how have you not been, why didn't you have to shut down? Well, you know, we learned this in Africa. If you go back to 20, uh, the, the uh, 2012 uh, um, Ebola pandemic in West Africa, when the rest of the world shut down West Africa, it's all about isolation, um, screening, understanding yourself, making sure if you're symptomatic, not exposing yourself to other infected people. And uh, as you know, we haven't got a, um, a cure for this. So we've got to behave and it's behavior, just like safety. And, uh, and so in, in Nevada, what we did is we said to everyone, look, we're going to manage our way through this. And but it means that you're going to wear masks, you know, these masks on your face, and you're going to do social distancing, and we're going to be careful about how we feel. And if we don't feel well, we're going to isolate, self-isolate. We're going to trace everyone that you've come in contact with, and we're going to ask them to isolate as well. And so in the peak of the exposure in the U.S., we had nearly 600 people isolated. We're now down to early hundreds and uh, and and we've taught our people to manage that and we're doing the same in Africa um, Jim and uh, you know Africa's a bit behind uh, the uh, the developed world but um, again we we are managing uh, our operations and that's the way you can get back to the new normal be okay. aware all right. I'm glad that you said that because I know that you're a tough guy. You've told me that and you know how to deal with these situations. And I think that you wear a mask. Wait, America, if Bristow wears a mask, you can wear a mask. Mark Bristow, President CEO of Barrett Gold, G-O-L-D. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Jim. Bad Money's back into the break. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Earlier this week, Domino's Pizza, one of our faves, broke out to new highs above 400 bucks. That's the latest leg of it. Just an incredible run. Now, we've been recommending this stock since it was at 10 
dollars roughly a decade ago. That's right, 10 to 400. And this move was totally gettable. These guys come on the show like clockwork. They've got a good story every step of the way, and I've urged you to buy the stock dozens of times. And the thesis hasn't changed one bit. Domino's has spent the last 10 years building out an amazing online ordering platform. They pioneered the digital delivery business. And now that we're in the middle of a horrifying pandemic, takeout and delivery are the only way for restaurants to reliably make money. Domino's is perfectly positioned for COVID-19. The company reported this morning and they practically print money. We're talking about a monster earnings beat, $2.99 per share, street only looking for $2.24, coupled with much higher than expected revenues, magnificent 16% same-store sales growth in the U.S. At first, the stock surged to $4.22 this morning, but then it gave back all those gains. People decided to ring the register. We've seen this happen a million times with the stock. I think a pullback was inevitable because it's already run so much going into the quarter, which means this could be a buying opportunity, but do not take it from me. Let's check in with Rich Allison, the CEO of Domino's Pizza, get a better sense of the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Allison, Congratulations, and welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, so, Rich, people are looking for 13% comp store sales, which would be incredibly, ridiculously hard to get. You come in at 16%, but judging by how the quarter ended, they may even have been stronger, correct? You know, Jim, we had you know, strong uh, sales that really began to pick up you know, around three weeks or so into the second quarter and then really sustained, you know, all the way uh, through uh, the end of the quarter, you know, really driven by that delivery and carry out business that we've built over so many years. Rich, I know you have tremendous technology, so I bet you're able to actually tell who the new customers were and whether even some of those new customers were already repeat customers during the quarter. Yeah, we are. And we look across our two businesses, the delivery and the carryout business, we saw a very strong increase in customer acquisition in the delivery business. Not surprising as customers are looking for, you know, a contactless experience, you know, staying at home. And we we adapted very quickly all of our operating procedures to, to deliver that safe and reliable experience to our customers. So great acquisition and then also terrific repeat purchases among our delivery customers as well. And then on the carryout side of the business, you know, a little softer on the acquisition, very strong on the retention. You know, customers in the early part of the pandemic, very reluctant to go out of their homes and into uh, places of business. So we've been innovating there as well, Jim, with our Domino's car side delivery to really draw more customers into that part of our business as well. Talk about artificial intelligence for voice for the remaining people who still call, because I know it's uh, two thirds, more than two thirds digital. Yeah, we're um, we're up to 75 percent now consistently digital uh, in sales. And we've had weeks where that's been up as high as 80 percent. Yeah, we, we we do still have some customers that choose to call us and we're continuing to work on our uh uh, on our AI engine, uh, you know, to deliver that uh, that Dom voice ordering experience, but also answered a lot of phones in the stores as well, Jim. All right, so, Rich, I was disappointed in one in one bit of your uh, talk, and it wasn't the CFO. Everyone's allowed to do great things. He was there for 20 years. I like your wings. I, I, you, you, you don't like your wings. I've like been eating your wings for years. What are you going to do to make them better? Jim, if you liked our wings before, you're going to love our new wings. You know, I think you're going to find that the taste and the texture uh, are even better. The new sauces we have are just terrific, and I'm really excited about it. And it shows, you know, that our culinary team isn't focused just on new products, 
but also focused on existing items on our menu and, and how we can make it better. And the real winner out of this, uh, this new wings offering is that we've got it on our $7.99 menu now, a 10-piece offering at $7.99, which is a terrific addition to that value platform. Uh, you're making a pretty big investment, and it's an investment in China. Now, a lot of people worried about franchises, whether they took PPP, whatever. Can you address how strong the franchises are financially and then also why you want to actually invest in a country rather than just do more franchise? Sure. Well, you know, first part of, of your question, you know, as we look across the country and around the world, we've got a very strong and stable franchisee base. You know, in the U.S., we exited 2019 with the highest uh, you know, levels of EBITDA, $143,000 a store uh, in the U.S. that we've ever had. So very strong and stable there, as evidenced by the fact that we only closed one store in the U.S. during That's the second great. quarter. International side of the business, we're fortunate to have some very well-capitalized international master franchisees. We looked at China. It's a market we've been working on for a long time, and it's at a great place now. Terrific leadership team, just past 300 stores. We saw a great opportunity, Jim, to make an investment on the part of DPZ and to work side-by-side with Dash Brands, our partner there, to grow what is going to be an incredibly important market for Domino's in the years to come. All right, terrific. Now, I know you never speak ill of competitors, and I think that's terrific because you're a gentleman. But you also have to recognize uh, that – A lot of places that sell pizza have seats in their restaurants and they have takeout. Those places have to struggle, if not close. I know that because that's what we're doing in my own restaurant. Is it not a great help to you in the end that a lot of the unfortunate small guys won't be able to make it in the restaurant so they can't do any uh, takeout and delivery anymore? You know, Jim, I sure hate to see independent, you know, restaurants close. I know you, you operate them. I frequent them, you know, often. But I think the reality of the situation that we're in is that, you know, the businesses that have performed best during this pandemic have been those that already had a strong digital presence, which is how customers are choosing to order. And then secondly, had a, a very significant off-premise business, whether that's delivery, carry out, drive through, et cetera. And I think those businesses that were dependent upon dine-in are just really struggling And if you didn't already have a good digital presence, then your only option really is to pay significant fees to third parties to bring you orders. And that really crushes some of the economics for some of these independents. I'm so glad you pointed that out. I can't leave you without asking about 10 million slices. It seems like you're doing something pretty terrific there. We're trying, uh, Jim. It's been a real privilege to remain open and serving our customers during this time. And we and our franchisees have partnered together uh, to give pizzas away to uh, folks in need in our local communities, to first responders, to kids, to a wide range of, uh, of, of folks uh, that need to be fed at this time. We've also been able to provide uh, thank you bonuses you know, to our hourly team members in our corporate stores and supply chain uh, uh, side of our business. So you know, I, I think Domino's always rises to the occasion when it's time to give back to the communities. And I've just been so proud of our franchisees and teams this year. Well, you should be. Congratulations. An amazing quarter or now double since you've come in. And it's been a remarkable run. Rich Allison, CEO of Domino's Pizza. Always good to talk to you, sir. Thanks, Jim. Mad Money's back here for the break. For the first time in 20 years, we're finally seeing a wave of new investors as young people get 
very excited about the stock market. More people participating in the market is an unambiguously good thing, especially when they do it early. I just wish someone would spend a little less time trading speculative single-digit stocks. Here's the thing. When you're first getting started, you don't actually need to do that much. All you have to do is put some money away in a low-cost index fund. Maybe some quality individual stocks. Hey, it is bad money, right? Bit by bit. Over time, it will add up. Which brings me to Acorns, the private company that's the fastest-growing financial wellness system in America. This is a brilliant concept. You connect your credit or debt cards to your Acorns account. Then every time you buy something, they round up the purchase to the nearest dollar and invest in the spare change in a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds to your suiting. If you're the kind of person who has trouble saving, it's an ingenious way to trick yourself into putting some money away. Now, after the show tonight, I'm very excited about something. I'm co-hosting a live town hall in partnership with Acorns. Invest in you. Ready, set, grow your future to help regular people deal with the current crisis. As a reminder, NBC Universal and Comcast Ventures are investors in Acorns. But before we get there, why don't we do this? Let's sit down with Noah Kerner. He's the CEO of Acorns to learn more about his wealth building service and how they're helping people cope with the pandemic and the recession. Mr. Kerner, welcome to Man Money. Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. Well, and, Noah, uh, I got to I got to tell you, this Acorns is very exciting, and I'm going to give you the floor. How'd you get involved? Why? And what does it do? I appreciate it. And before we start, I'd love to just tell you a personal story. So my mother, who is no longer here, used to watch your show religiously, and she was very sick for a while and couldn't really do a lot of things. And so one of her daily delights was being able to watch this show every day. And you don't obviously know my mother. But it was very unusual for her to be watching this show because this was the woman who my entire life tried to convince me not to go into business. <laughs> and yet here she was every day watching the top show in business. Oh. So it really is an honor to be here. And I, and I, and I also I just want to say I know it would be a real honor to my for my mother. Oh, uh, I wish to- I had met her. Sometimes, no, this job is long day. You're thinking, does anybody watch? And then I hear a story like you just told me. I said, I got to keep doing this darn thing. Your mom, yeah. I'm doing it for I'm doing it for your late mom. How's that? That's great. All right. Well, she would be very proud of what you've done because you are getting people to start saving early, which, you know, is something we've been preaching for 15 years. Totally. So Acorns, what it does is it makes it easy and automatic to save and invest for your future. And you can save and invest spare change. So so what we're best known for is rounding up every purchase you make to the nearest dollar. Then we automatically invest that spare change into a diversified portfolio for you. But you can also really easily set up a retirement account. We call it Acorns Later. And we just recently launched Acorns Early, which, as far as we know, is the easiest way to invest in your kids, for parents to invest in your kids. On top of that, Jim, we have a whole banking product, a debit card and a checking account that helps you save and invest while you're spending. So, for example, when you move your paycheck over to Acorns, we automatically allocate a portion of that paycheck into investment and retirement accounts for you. So we make it really easy and we make it automatic and we take the guesswork out of it. Well, I just love this. This is obviously completely in sync, as your late mother, you and I both know, with exactly what we're about. Uh, More than 7.7 million accounts. Are people being serious? Are they doing the maximum that they can do? Because the power of compounding, if you do it right, will take care of a lot of investment. That's right. So we try to get people to really commit to regular small amounts. And so they are. So they're committing to the spare change. We've got two thirds of our customers doing an automatic recurring investment, meaning either every day, every week or every month, you're contributing something automatically and regularly. 
And then we know through the power of compounding, like you said, this really adds up over time. And so with Acorns Early, which we just launched, which is the product where parents can invest in their kids, if you do the math on $5 a day beginning at birth, by college, based on historical averages in the market, that can add up to $70,000 by 50, a million, and by 65, over $4 million. So it's really powerful. And we are seeing people really commit to this. And that gets me and my whole team really excited. Our nation's not good savers. Uh, obviously, with this many people involved, you have found a creative way to do it. I bump into people all the time, not just here, because almost everybody knows does Acorns here, who don't know that, um, that Comcast is affiliated with Acorns. And they just say, listen, I found a way to save. I've never been able to save. It's almost as if you have made it fun, which I know uh, it, it typically isn't fun. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you see, so the experience of Acorns is you see when you get started, you start to see the money add up over time. And every time you come back, if you're using the product regularly, you see that money grow. And that really encourages people to become savers. And like you said, it's a really big problem in the country that people aren't saving. And I think when you think about parents investing in their kids and saving and investing for their kids, that's also a major problem. So 50% of our customer, our, our, our parent customers are not saving for their kids. And over half of the, the parents that are saving for their kids are doing it in cash. So it's really exciting to see this kind of momentum where people are starting to participate. People are starting to take care of their families in a new way, take care of themselves in a new way. And like you said, we make it so easy and we condition people to become savers. And, I, and, I'm, and we're proud of that. Well, I got to tell you, no, I, I looked at uh, the app. I'm only allowed to own mutual funds. Uh, and what I, I like so much is the, the suitability that if I have if I were much younger, I could obviously take more risk. You've got terrific portfolios designed by a Nobel laureate. That is the way you want to go. That's right. That's right. It's diversified portfolios of ETFs. You know, it's it, it maximizes opportunity. We try to minimize risk. And this is really about the long term. Right. We like to say investing is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I, I also, you know, there is something I do want to talk about. I need your advice. I'm trying to get people to invest young. You're trying to get people to invest young. People get mad at me when I say that there's this wild west of trading and I don't want people to do it. Then they start blaming me. They say, you know, Jim, you got wealthy. You should give us a chance to be wealthy. I'm really more speaking about that perhaps there are other ways. Uh, I don't mind people day trading all the time if they want to, but how do I do it, Noah? How do I convince people that maybe there's other ways than just buying speculative stocks? Trading. Yeah, look, I mean, we all, like, we all like to have fun. I always like to talk about, you know, you, you go to Whole Foods and you eat healthy. Every once in a while, you like to have a Coke. We all like to have fun. We all like to take risks. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with buying individual stocks um, and, 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 and doing that with a small portion of your money. But for the majority of your money, if you're talking about a long-term plan and you're talking about building a nest egg for your family, you really want to be in a diversified portfolio. It's just less risky. It adds up over time. And the power of compounding, when you just let it sit there, there's nothing like it. Good. I'm going to be quoting you. I don't like to take the heat, but I know you're right. And I think Acorns is a terrific product. Congratulations on all your success. And thank you for a very heartwarming story about your mom. Because I do love to hear that. Thank you so much. That's Noah Kerner, CEO of Acorns. Please do not miss tonight's town hall. Invest in you. Ready, set, grow your future. And those day traders, please don't get mad. He and I both agree there's other ways that are a little bit better to make money. And that's what we care about. Man, money's back after the break.
It is time! It's over the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, it's over the lightning round. Question for us over John in Ohio. John. Greetings, Kramer from Akron, Ohio. Love it's Akron, Firestone. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, I'm in healthcare and I love their product. What do you think of Teladoc? T D O C. Okay, now Teladoc is one of those companies whose valuation has completely gotten stretched. That does not mean you need to sell it, but I would prefer to see it down 10% from its high before I would pull the trigger next. That's one of my rules for the valuation stretchers. Let's go to Bob in Illinois. Bob! Big Chi-Town booyah! Everybody loves Chi-Town. They never leave. What's going on? Jim, I recently took a position on payment solutions company WEX, W-E-X. I know they focus on fleet solutions. Right. And it's been a bumpy ride ever since. Is it time to double down or cut and run? I would just stay along it. I know that there was a downgrade the other day. I thought it was a little fatuous. We had we had the CEO on not that long ago. And uh, Ms. Smith, she does a pretty good job. Let's go to Rob in New Jersey. Rob. Jim, first-time caller, probably your number one fan from South Jersey, Cape May County, beautiful Ocean City. Quick question. What is your thoughts on Boeing? I'm having some concerns. I'm a little bit long. I'm about 12 months out. All right. Well, first of all, Ocean City, New Jersey, what a fabulous place. Dry town. Always loved that. Now, Boeing is a company that is going to be, I'd say, 25 down and 150 up when they get this thing approved and the vaccine occurs. I like that. Notice I said occurs because it can't necessarily say it gets done. I think you're in good shape with Boeing, but don't double down. And first time, he's my biggest fan. Regina, I'm looking at my thread. That was my biggest fan. Um, okay, so I need to know uh, Scott in Colorado. Scott, number one. Scott. Uh, I, had, I had an urge to buy Coca-Cola call for January at 50. Did I make a mistake? Probably. Why would you own calls on a stock that's got a good dividend stuff? But, you know, just own the common and reinvest the dividend. Uh, didn't mean to be mean. I'm not mean. I'm not mean. Let's go to Mark in Virginia. Mark. Hi, Jim. A great big booyah from the big, beautiful Commonwealth of Virginia. How are you? Oh, I'm from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, so I got, I'm, I'm one up in you. I'm doing well. What's going on? <laughs> oh, I want to check in on FireEye. I know you had Kevin Bandy, a CEO on Bad Money, last November. And I just wanted to get your take on FireEye and this uh, I thought that it was very interesting. The stock barely home. rallied today. Barely rallied. I know you can say 3%, but, you know, this, this Twitter hack was very bad. So we got to go back to the well. We got to say it's Palo Alto. We got to say it's Alta. It's, it's CrowdStrike. Uh, we like those more. We like Zscaler more. Uh, they're just proof point. They're all better than FireEye. How about we go to Michael in Minnesota? Michael. Hey, Booyah, Jim, to you and all the hardworking staff at Mad Money. Best staff. Hey, Jim, on behalf of the millions of like-minded folks, I'd like to express my gratitude for the Next Gen Mask Challenge that's sponsored by the XPRIZE Foundation. Great stuff and so important you, if you want to defeat this virus. XPRIZE.org slash mask to get involved. Over 200 people, 200 groups have already gotten signed up. We're winning. What's going on? Go ahead. Hey, Jim. Hey, how you doing? It's Eric from Miami. Booyah. Oh, Eric. Okay. Uh, booyah. Didn't miss a stock there. What's up? Uh, I'm a first-time caller. It's actually my birthday. and uh, Oh, happy birthday. 
looking forward to doing some fishing this weekend. I hope you, you are. You and me both. So. I'm going out Saturday morning. We're going to go for fluke. All right. Well, if you uh, if you give me some advice on this stock, I'll give you some advice on those flukes. Sounds fair. Okay, uh, it's the symbol uh, Ingevity Corp. And I actually know Ingevity Corp. It's just a plain old industrial, and that's exactly what I want to buy right here, right now. Okay, how do I want to do with the fluke? All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round. Is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Every earnings season, everyone, we reach a point where there's too much information. It becomes impossible to process. Stock market, hive mind gets very jittery. Individual stocks start seesawing as buying gives way to buyers from worse, or selling gives way to sellers from worse. Normally, it takes a couple of weeks to get there. This time, though, it's, it's only a few days in earnings season. And it's already happening. Yesterday, United Health Group, UNH, printed a, just a terrific number. And initially, the health insurers saw its stock rally. Bye, bye, bye. But management was its usual conservative self when the conference call, as I predicted, and the stock slumped, closing down four bucks. Then this morning, UNH got multiple price target boosts from the analyst community, and the stock rallied more than $3. A classic case of sellers remorse. I don't think it's, I, by the way, I do not think it's done rallying. It was that good a quarter. We saw the same pattern with the stock of J.P. Morgan. Bank reported a fantastic quarter on Tuesday. The stock initially rallied a couple of bucks. Then as the conference call droned on, shareholders started worrying about credit losses, and the stock gave up most of its gains. The next day, though, J.P. Morgan went right back up as the analysts raised their price targets and buyers came out of the woodwork. It finished higher again today, despite the overall decline in the stock market. Now, most of the time, price target boosts aren't that important. But when a rash of analysts raise numbers after a good quarter all at once, you tend to get a very positive reaction. So if that's the pattern, what could be the next United Health Group or J.P. Morgan? Easy. Just look for stocks that did nothing after the underlying companies raised their forecasts or actually went down. For example, Abbott Labs and Johnson & Johnson both reported truly amazing quarters this morning. In fact, Abbott gave you one of the biggest beats of this regular of this reporting period other than St. Domino's. Their diagnostics business grew 7% organically, driven by a 241% increase for the molecular diagnostics unit because they make coronavirus tests. They also got a popular new blood sugar monitoring device for diabetes. Best of all, Abbott says COVID testing could be a 2 to 2.5 billion, with a B, billion dollar business this year. They've already sold 40 million tests and they're just getting started. Matthew thinks they can earn $3.25 this year when the analysts were only looking for $2.86. Yet the stock didn't rally on the news. It actually went lower. Now, tomorrow I predict multiple price target boosts like we just saw with UNH and JP Morgan, and the stock should rally. ABT. How about J&J? Their medical device business was supposed to get obliterated this quarter as the pandemic has forced people to postpone all sorts of non-emergency surgeries. But that division did better than we feared. So J&J was able to raise its forecast. Plus, they've got a potential COVID vaccine that's entering human trials next week. And it could be in phase three by late September. They told us they'll also be studying the vaccine on the 65 and older demographic. That's fabulous. Not just because I'm in that demo. 
but because the elderly are the most vulnerable. That's who needs it the most. A vaccine that's safe to administer to my fellow baby boomers would be huge. Oh, and J&J's got enough vials to make billions of doses. The smaller players like Moderna that everyone's so hot to trot about might be leading in the race, but that can't duplicate J&J's manufacturing infrastructure. J&J's study would be much bigger than Moderna's. My guess, Johnson Johnson knows something, which is why it rallied near the end of the day after wallowing in the red for most of the session. I think they're in the pole position now. Of course, the company didn't pound its chest. Management's Pretty non-promotional. So the stock rallied a little less than it should, but I bet the analysts give them all the promotion they need tomorrow. All that said, price target boost can't save everybody. If there's a big rotation out of, say, COVID stocks, everything the analysts say about the stocks people are fleeing frantically will fall on deaf ears. But, man, when a company raises its forecast after a great quarter, the stock goes down, that's an opportunity to pounce. Stick with Kramer. Coming up next is something that you need to be a part of. It's CBC's special town hall. Invest in you. Ready, set, grow your future. Hosted by my friend Kelly Evans and yours truly. Featuring Susie Orman, Gary Vee, and more. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. The special starts now. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.